something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Welcome to another edition of your favourite LGBTQIA magazine show. He's Matthew Tosh and I'm Lauren Anemi and on this week's show... Big, butch and manly. Steph chats to the actors of Stuntman. And Ez brings us a timely queer story on bisexuality. Mm, Wait, all right here, right now on Shout Out. It's nice to be back here and lovely to have the glowing Lara Lalamin by my side. Here. I have missed my shout out family. Like, uh, yeah, just everything. Oh, I just missed it so much. I, was, I had so many things in my head, but none of them clean. Um. <laughs> and it is a bit of a family tonight because now we've got Lara in the studio. We have Steffi Barnett. We've got Andy Hole and our news department, Terry Starr as well. Uh, hello, one and all. Hello. Good evening. It's good to have you. Uh, now, we have to start on a slightly solemn note. Uh, those of you, uh, if you follow our social media channels um, or the social media channel of BCFM, which is our home station, of course, you may be aware that uh, we've lost a member of our technical team, Mike Edney, passed away earlier this week. And we felt it appropriate that we dedicate this week's show to Mike um, as he was he was instrumental to shout out, particularly on our outside broadcast, was, was he not? He was indeed. Very much so, yeah. Um, so, uh, yes. On the air during Pride. Yeah, yeah, very much so on our outdoor broadcast. So if you've listened to our coverage of, of Bristol Pride over the years, uh, Mike's been one of the teams, uh, one of the people responsible for getting the signal out to you wherever you've been listening. So uh, as, as, as we say, these things are a team effort. But uh, when you lose a, a key person like that, it does um, it sends a few shockwaves. So there's a bit of a gathering here at uh, Eastern Community Centre as we go out live. And... Um, we shall be uh, dedicating a bit of music to him a little bit later. Um, so uh, that's all coming up. And uh, we've also got uh, plenty of music. We've got the uh, interview with Sadiq Ali and David Banks on male masculinity. I'm looking that, forward to that's, that one. Uh, That's with Steph. And of course, it is by visibility day tomorrow. So, mm. yeah. Okay, I'm ready to be visible. Well... Yes. Uh, well. <laughs> You're very visible, Laura. I know, darling. You can't miss me from space. But um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to celebrating that. Absolutely. Uh, yes. So uh, shout out to fellow bi people. You know, this is this, your day to shine. Sparkle every, your feathers. Yeah. Sparkle your feathers. Ruffle your feathers and sparkle. That's why. Every I'm day saying. should be a day to shine, as far as I'm concerned. Right. <laughs> Let's. Uh, we'll, we'll be back very shortly um, after some Savage Garden. This is shout out. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Affirmation by what Savage a name. Garden. Savage Garden. I know. Like, who savaged their garden? Or did they savage gardens? Like, what happens? Have you seen my garden? Oh, I, I have definitely seen your garden. <laughs> Um, it's it's a little it's a little wild at the moment. It's a little bit embarrassing because uh, for someone who actually enjoys horticulture, uh, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, right now, Steph is standing by with uh, an interview. It's all about male masculinity. 
Now, for those of you living in the Midlands or south of England, um, you're probably not aware there's another country just to the north of us, north of Hadrian's Wall, called Scotland. Um, and so you won't even have to take a plane ride or a train because we're going to take you there, care of the airwaves now. And I've got Sadiq Ali. And, hi, and David Banks uh, with me. Hi. Now, first of all, we've got a theatre group called Superfan. How did that name come about? So the name Superfan got came about because of the styles of shows that were being made. They were very interested in initially shows about, they had a show about uh, celebrity status um, called... Uh, I hope I never love anyone as much as I love you, which was about um, country music superfans. Then they began looking at individual professions in the performance industry. So they had a one-on-one show with a trapeze artist called Ringside. And they continued going down that tandem of uh, looking at individual strains of performance in theatre. And in many ways kind of veered a little bit away from the superfan but that that name stuck. Okay, now moving on from that, this theatre production that you're doing, Stuntman. Um, Stuntman by Superfan. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Tell me a bit about that, Sadiq. So Stuntman is a show where we look at the relationship between two men through a lens of action films. But what we're really looking at is our relationship towards male violence masculinity, hyper-masculinity, and uh, I guess our personal relationship in growing up and in present day with those concepts. So we use the lens of an action film through full-blown movie fights, stunt scenes, kapals, punches, kablams, explosions, all of that to then look at our relationship to violence growing up. And the two performers, myself and David, have extremely different perspectives when it comes to violence and different experiences, different experiences of masculinity and uh, our relationship with our own masculinity and other men and and to violence. Mm -hmm. And so we explore that in some of the the devised uh, scripts and the stories that we tell on stage and also the movement and the theatrical style that we use to tell, tell our personal experiences that we hope relate to the people that watch it. Yeah, one of the pictures that I often give people is if you've ever really enjoyed an action movie or an anime or a very violent computer game but felt just a little bit weird about it, that's what this show is is all about. So we give you all those things that um, we celebrate as forms of entertainment and then we also interrogate them further uh, between how that's had an impact on our own relationship to masculinity and how that violence impacts us and how those male icons predominantly um, have both positive and negative impacts on our lives. Okay, um, coming back to you, Sadiq, um, you say about the masculinity and growing up with violence and that. Can you give us a bit of a backstory about your life and growing up? Hi, my name is Sadiq, and I grew up in Edinburgh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, of course, I grew up in a really quite mixed race family. So I've got um, half a religious Muslim family and half a not practicing family. And I grew up and I, I kind of had two separate worlds. So I remember the kind of clear separate point being a 13, 14 year old gay goth kid who at the weekends was pretending I was a good Muslim boy 
to to get on with a one half of my family and then being more comfortable with other sides of myself with my other half so I always found that I I lived this kind of like split lifestyle growing up and I think I found within I originally came into performance through circus um, and through uh, circus skills training and then realizing that was something I could use in performance and I think in that I found somewhere I could kind of take both sides of my experience and actually just be myself and be one. Um, I grew up in Edinburgh. I grew up, uh, so I've lost it now. Your accent is, is both of you, your accents aren't very strong Scottish, are they? They're quite mild. Well, we are professional performers, (laughs) and we are making it as accessible as possible. While we're still part of the UK, we thought we'd include Oh, ouch, yes. Well, (laughs) if you want to... try that one again? No, I like that. If you want to adopt me, and uh, so I can get (laughs) a passport when Scotland joins the EU, please do. (laughs) David, same question to you. What was it like growing up? All right, so I grew up uh, up, up in Aberdeen, and I like that. <laughs> Is that you putting on a more heavy Scottish accent? <laughs> I can for Scandinavian growing up, generally can. Oh, that's half the English population just completely so, lost uh, there. I, I grew up in Aberdeen, so in actual fact, kind of moving to Glasgow and, and going to drama school, my accents, a lot of my vocabulary is Doric, and Aberdonian accents are very mumbly. Right. Very filled with slang. It's not so on purpose. I'm kind of. So the, and my mum's uh, English, to be fair. Would you say you're mixed race? Um, no. Half <laughs> 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 English, half Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I'm very. I, I feel, yeah, I'm proud of both. I'm proud of both my heritages. I just want to be part of Europe. Actually, I think that's now most of the population. Yeah, and Sadiqa's in London primarily. Primarily because of circus and performance work. I, I mostly work in circus. What I do oh, is... Do you, Sadiq, from... Tell me a bit about that. That sounds exciting. What do you yeah, do? I went... My, my route into performance, and particularly like this show being a theatre piece, has been slightly different from David's who came in through drama school. I came in through circus so i went to the circus school in london which is the national center for circus arts and there i learned a discipline called chinese pole which is like a five or six meter pole covered in rubber and basically i call my career extreme pole dancing and wow. that's what i do for a living um four or five times a week i'm in shows um doing what I call extreme pole dancing. And I've made a lot of like cross between that and theater and creating theater shows that use circus apparatus within them. And now I've been brought on board with this show, Stuntman. This is my first time working with Superfan by doing an audition for them and getting accepted. So for me, this is super exciting because the first time I'm on stage using words and physical theater without a circus apparatus. So I am... like it feels like I'm getting a lot of growing out of this and stepping outside of my comfort zone because I don't have a giant pole to climb up and down. But I do have another performer to bounce off of and a lot of stories that we're working on together. So well, in my head, you went in a different direction with that last sentence, but a bit about my background. Um so uh, I grew up in Aberdeen. 
Um, and drama was always on the radar. Um, but I had quite fixed sights on becoming uh, Goku from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> okay. Um, and I decided that I was going to become a hero. So from there, uh, I trained all the time, starting with boxing. Uh, I became one of the first coaches in the UK in the parkour free running community. Uh, by the age of 16, I was competing. And by 18, I was competing in mixed martial arts against much older men. Uh, when I got into drama school, um, I was already going down the route of becoming a professional fighter. Um, I'd won my first three fights against men in their 30s, every fight within a round. Um, and I got into drama school and I had to make the decision between those two things. And uh, some of those stories actually come into Stuntman, but I had this very weird sensation after the first fight where I felt that I didn't have to be afraid anymore. And when I kind of got over it, and I think this is what makes it really complicated, my own relationship to violence, without having a room full of screaming people and me getting in a cage and fighting with people, I think I would have carried that for the rest of my life. Right. It had a very cathartic effect on me and allowed me to really just change lanes. And I went down the path of going to drama school. I began to get more interested in the aspects of cartoons, anime, and action films, the performative aspect of it. I realized that when I wasn't afraid and wasn't chasing this trauma and trying to make myself feel big and safe, uh, I really enjoyed entertaining people. Mm. Um, so I, 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 I took that segue down that path and um, do you know what I've actually found really interesting in, interesting in creating the show with David is that I have the opposite end of experience of violence. I came into this room first and I was like, what am I doing here? Because my relationship to violence is to run away, to not experience it. I've never really been in a fight in my whole life, not a proper fight. And I'm standing in the room going, I don't have a relationship to violence. And then I found it really interesting speaking to and creating with someone who has been through and involved in that world to then realizing that my own relationship to violence to avoid it is also a relationship to violence. And actually, I find that I've, uh, I experience things like some of the subject matter in the show reminds me of times I've experienced racial or homophobic slurs. And actually the feeling inside me that I want to express or break out or burst or fight, but I don't know how. And I don't know how to express those feelings when someone calls me uh, a word that I probably can't say here on this radio in the street because of the way I look, That how that makes me feel inside. And it, I feel that violence and I feel that anger, but I have no idea how to express it. And I find that really interesting as well in, in this devising process. Do you find um, that... Um you've had that from a very young age Sadiq that yes and I think when I came into this project I thought oh I don't really have any kind of experience of anger or violence yeah, and but you do we're, we're, but I do because yeah. of course we all do 
yeah. especially if you're marginalized in some way of course you do yeah i guess it was it was racist abuse that you had first before and as you grew up uh, racist and homophobic uh, racist when i was much younger because that's the very first visible thing yeah. and then as i hit my teenage years and i would be in the street holding boys hands or or i I I would I guess that you can tell by the way I dress quite often or whatever um, that I'm not a heterosexual man. Um, so then that's quite easy for people to target. And when people do or or verbally attack me in the streets, which happens, I live in London quite for for many years, and it does happen. I I have a reaction that is in the world of anger and violence and it's something that needs to be expressed within me, but that I don't have an outlet for. So I think there's also that um there's all these exciting things about action movies, you know, those big pops, and you know, we do plenty of stunts and we do acrobatics and we kill each other countless times <laughs> in the show. Like, like the kill count is really, really high, you know, like ridiculously so. Um there's that's the really fun aspect of them, but I think for me and kind of my formation and kind of like my my journey through life, you know, I was maybe one or two decisions away from me taking those things very literally at a young age, going very badly. Um, and yeah, so uh, I, I boxed from a young age uh, and then I transitioned into mixed martial arts okay. and that's uh, where I primarily competed. Okay. I've I also have fighters. three older brothers, so you grow up quite tough when you uh, have a yeah, family. I, <laughs> yeah. I would just like to tell our radio listeners, obviously you can't see you like I can, um, that you don't look as though you've been boxing. You're quite a beautiful looking yeah. man. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, 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 done, I, done, I done really well. Um, so I was, I was sponsored by my uh, local team. So... Um, I won. I won my first three fights in a combined time of four minutes. Uh, and I think that it, it was a weird thing. So I, I, I even been at the events. I think this is maybe down a little bit due to like my neurodiversity. I would be sitting listening to like the Naruto theme tune, mm. or I went out and. I would tell myself like before I go out, like you know, I'm I'm ready to die. Yeah, and yeah. as soon as I wasn't scared of men anymore, I kind of got to drama school. My life started changing. I couldn't. Okay. I almost couldn't imagine being that person. I was like, "That's that's pretty loopy." Yeah. You know, when were you aware you began to think? When were you aware you became neuro uh, neurodiverse? I was diagnosed with ADHD really young. Uh, the autism diagnosis came a lot later. Okay. Um, in actual fact, it's quite a funny story behind that. Uh, they thought I was deaf or partially deaf. You were just ignoring people. I was just wasn't listening to. <laughs> yeah. And I think that my journey through violence has, has never, strangely, never been channeled by. Like, I was never angry when I fought anyone ever. Oh wow! And it's, it's it's a it's a weird mindset, mm. and. I'm very grateful for that time. It's made me, I think it gave me the confidence to move past those traumas. Uh, it's also not as scary getting on a stage in front of an audience when someone's not going to punch you in the face. 
Uh, apart from Sadiq, quite a lot in this show. Um, <laughs> I, guess he I don't really punch him in the head. Because <laughs> that would not be very neat. <laughs> he just uh, stabs me a few times, yeah. shoots me. Actually, today we're in rehearsals and we're playing with prop guns and swords and all of these things. I'm like, this is not what I played with as a kid, but I'm actually really enjoying it as an adult. <laughs> like, it feels very odd. Um, so we've got gun holsters and fake guns and water pistols and things. Right. And I'm like, right. oh, I feel quite powerful. <laughs> um, so uh, tell us, because we're fast running out of time here. Um, tell me about um, the performances, uh, where people can catch the performances, the time scale. I want to know websites and social media. Okay. Uh, so we are touring between the 23rd of September and the 15th of October. And that is covering the major cities in Scotland and a couple of the islands. You can find out the exact dates and locations by visiting either superfanperformance.com or go into their social media. Their tag is on Instagram and Facebook, superfanperformance, and on Twitter, we are superfan. What's your favorite place you think you're going to do? Aberdeen. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what's really exciting about this tour is we have... Uh, engagement specialists that are working with different groups in different cities that might otherwise not be able to access the show. In Aberdeen, I'm particularly excited. I have a lot of people that have never been to the theatre ever in my friends and family circles. Uh, to remember my family, uh, local the local Narcotics Anonymous group are going to have a meeting before one of the shows and then come oh, in man. and have a discussion afterwards. So um, you know, they, they want some new audiences and they're going to get them in Aberdeen, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I guess they're going to be entertained. And um, I c couldn't think of two more lovely people to actually do that and educate people about uh, male violence and just men being a bit too butch, big butch and manly, I guess. And You know what the best wow, thing is, though, is when we're playing that, we're realising the more alpha masculine, it's the realistically, it's the more camp. So yeah. we're looking at all these things like, it's like He-Man. Like Top He Gun, He-Man, he very queer. Rambo. <laughs> you know, it, it really goes on. The list the list is never, <laughs> yeah, never yeah. stops. It's particularly in the 80s. Watching all these action flicks, like, this is really, really great. So we are working on reclaiming <laughs> that spot for sure as well. <laughs> it's fun. Sadiq Ali, David Banks, thank you so much for joining us at Shout Out. Really, thank really appreciate your time and break a leg, both of you. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, this is Blue Eyed Reinster, and you're listening to Shout Out Radio. Shout Out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Yeah, that'll test your French, won't it? I love Christine and the, the Queens. Christine and the Queens they are, with, with the French group Andochine. And Oshin. And the song is called Troisième Sex, and they're oh, talking about the blurred lines uh, between genders. I love that. I mean, I, I generally fancy Christine and the Queens anyway. Yeah, pretty good looking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. nah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just uh, mixing it up again, as we do here on Shout Out. Uh, now, uh, coming up, we've still got the uh, special uh, thing about uh, bi-visibility, the queer story. But right now, it is time to cross to Daddy! our news team, Mr. Terry Starr. 
is standing by, so I'll just press this button and let him get on with it. Shoutout news on Thursday the 22nd of September. Atheist and LGBTQIA campaigners have joined forces to welcome the decision of the Irish Supreme Court in Dublin to reject an application by an evangelical Christian teacher to return to his job at a school in County Westmeath. Enoch Burke had refused to comply with a request from the headteacher that he refer to a trans pupil by their chosen pronouns. Burke had, however, also aggressively confronted the headteacher at an event and breached a court order stopping him from going back to his workplace to further aggravate matters. The court was satisfied that Burke should return to prison. Whilst Burke claimed that the state was denying him his religious freedom, Mr Justice Roberts reminded him that he was actually in prison because he had broken several court orders. Rosemary Mallon, barrister for the school, said that the legal decisions were not about transgenderism, but about Mr Burke's failure to follow lawful directions of the school's board of management. Pink News reports that around 250 trans people and allied groups, including the lesbian Keep the L with the T campaign, rallied in Brighton on September the 18th to keep vigil and bear witness to trans lives whilst an anti-transgender group called Standing for Women held a rally. During a four-hour standoff, a Brighton police kept the two groups apart, but this did not prevent the anti-trans group from allegedly insulting an elderly gay man as a nonce. At one point, an anti-transgender activist was photographed cutting apart a rainbow flag and trampling on the part of the progress flag representing black people while smoking a cigarette. Police in Brighton said that they had worked hard to keep different groups apart and made three arrests. Now, LGBTQIA plus advocates have long argued that anti-LGBT plus people are borderline dangerous and violent. Well, this week, the Washington Post reports on a case in Boston where a prolific Donald Trump donor telephoned a bomb threat to the local children's hospital after reading right-wing lies online that the hospital was performing gender affirmation surgery on under-18-year-olds. It does not carry out any such procedure. The woman involved, a Catherine Levy, faces up to 10 years in prison and a quarter of a million dollar fine. Shout out and its home station, BCFM, and the wider family of community radio stations across the UK are saddened to report the loss of one of BCFM's engineers, Mr Mike Edney. Mr Edney passed on at the weekend. For shout out, Mr Edney had been a comrade and ally. His work helped many of our outside broadcasts in which we have transmitted from Pride events to an audience at home and allowed them to participate in LGBTQIA life. At BCFM, Mike was a regular tinkering with equipment and keeping us on the air. Unlike the BBC or commercial radio stations, community broadcasters, such as the family of stations which Shout Out broadcasts on, do not have vast paid, uh, paid teams of technicians and instead rely on the volunteered time of technical aces like Mike to ensure that we can bring you our programmes. 
Patrick Hart, speaking for BCFM, noted that Mr Edney had been part of the station since it began broadcasting in 2007. He added, We are devastated and will make a full statement when this terrible news has been fully processed. Terry Starr for the shout-out team said, Mike recognised the very important role played by community radio stations in the lives of their listeners. That's why he could be relied upon day or night to fix problems and troubleshoot. The whole movement of community radio stations has lost a dear friend. Now, in football results, the Gay Football Supporters Network League Division 1 had one match on the 17th of September. The result was Birmingham Blaze 2, Trowbridge Tigers 1. Let's move to entertainment. The website Digital Spy reveals some details about the special edition of Doctor Who to be aired in November as part of the formal centenary celebrations for the British Broadcasting Corporation, that is, the BBC, of course. In the special episode called The Power of the Doctor, the current and first female incarnation of the Doctor, played by Jodie Whittaker, will face a triumvirate of evil opponents in the shape of the Daleks, the Cybermen and the Master. But working with her will be sidekick Yaz and to the delight of sci-fi fans everywhere several faces from the series long history including Tegan who travelled with Peter Davidson's incarnation of the Doctor and Ace who appeared alongside Sylvester McCoy. It is expected that at the end of the episode the Doctor will regenerate into a new form to be portrayed by Nkuti Gatwa the first black actor to inhabit the TARDIS. And finally, LGBTQIA pagans will be sending their greetings this week for the Festival of Mabon, as the autumn equinox, humanists and many atheists also mark this passing of the seasons as day and night are equal, and for the next six months there are more hours of darkness than light in the Northern Hemisphere. Many denominations of Christians, including gay-friendly congregations such as Unitarians, Quakers, the UCC and MCC, will also mark their harvest festivals at this time of year. For Jewish LGBTQIA plus people, many of whom are active in the Reform Judaism movement, the Feast of Rosh Hashanah this Sunday kicks off the Autumn High Holy Days period. Glastonbury-based pagan bookstore The Goddess and the Green Man reveals more about the symbolism of all these festivals. They say the cycle of the natural world is moving towards completion. The sun's power is waning and from now on the nights grow longer and the days are shorter and cooler. The sap of trees returns back to their roots deep in the earth, changing the green of summer to the fire of autumn, flaming reds, oranges and golds. We are returning to the dark from whence we came. However you mark this passing of the seasons, we wish you a very happy harvest festival time for these news stories and more we update our website every day you can check us out at shoutoutradio.lgbt and for shoutout news i've been terry star shoutout news national and international lgbt news for you the shoutout podcast abba thank you for the music well, it's time now to get uh, a queer story. It's back, and Ez is here with it. Hello. 
Hello and welcome back to Queer Story. Today I am talking to you about the history of bisexuality marked each year since 1999 by Visibility Day raises bi awareness and challenges bisexual and biromantic erasure. 2022 will be the 24th year that we have celebrated bisexual life on the 23rd of September. I will also be taking some time to appreciate different figures in history who are celebrated as bisexual icons. It hasn't been till relatively recently, the last decade even, that bisexuality has been acknowledged as a legitimate sexuality. It's important to understand that there has been a positive movement in the changing attitudes and beliefs about bisexuality, but also, and sadly, and quite shockingly, there was a long period of time when bisexuality was considered a mental disorder, much like the views of trans people and homosexuality. Not only that, but it was seen as such a disorder that it needed correcting and eradicating, much like the barbaric conversion-based methods, which are still legal within the UK and other places of the world. Because of this, medical professionals performed castration, forced medication on LGBTQIA plus people, as well as electric shock therapy and hypnosis, all labelled as treatments, but of course they were incredibly traumatic, cruel and often created irreversible damage. This only changed in the 1970s when many psychiatric institutions around the Western world reformed. In the 1920s, Sigmund Freud famously declared that a man's heterosexuality would not put up with any homosexuality, and furthermore, bisexuality came out of trauma inflicted upon a person while they were still in the womb. He argued that in this developmental phase, babies were not one gender or another, and that any form of homosexuality was caused from babies not developing normally from this stage. In 1948, Alfred Kinsley came up with the concept of a sexual spectrum, but it's only been the last few years that we've come to accept this. A recent YouGov study found that one in two young British people identify as not completely heterosexual, a huge leap from the findings from even just a few decades ago. And a recent study from the BBC found that a third of all young people in the UK identify as something other than straight, and that most of that third said that they were equally attracted to both sexes. Through the years, the term bisexuality has undergone a series of redefinitions, and for many bisexuals, it holds a deeply personal meaning that has taken years for them to work out. Terms like pansexual, omnisexual are often included under the umbrella of bisexuality and certainly carry similar aspects. Bisexuality doesn't have to be limited to being attracted to both men and women, and bi advocate and author Robin Ox defines bisexuality as the potential to be attracted romantically and or sexually to people of more than one sex and or gender, and includes those who fall on different parts of the gender spectrum. But the history of bisexuality extends way beyond the last few years. In Greece, bisexuality was encouraged between free men and many Greek fables contained bisexual heroes. In Homer's Liliad, Achilles has relationships with both women and his friend and sparring partner, Patroclus. And Alexander the Great and Roman Emperor Hadrian both openly had wives and male lovers. Zeus even had a male lover, Ganymede, when he wasn't romancing women. The word bisexuality wasn't coined until 1892 by Charles Gilbert Chaddock, who was translating Kraft Ebbing's Psychopathia Sexualis. During this time, however, homosexual acts were strictly forbidden, with England enforcing anti-sodomy laws which didn't change in the UK until 1967. 
In the 1960s, bisexuals were an important part of the gay rights movement. Bisexual Brenda Howard played a major role in organising the first gay pride march in 1969 and Donny the Punk made the first on-campus LGBT plus student group in 1966. So now I'd like to take some time to appreciate figures in history who are celebrated as icons of bisexuality. For many of these people, it was extremely difficult or even impossible to come out about their sexuality and many engaged in same-sex relationships in secret, their sexuality only becoming topic of discussion years later. So, some of these people never self-identified as a bisexual person, but many also lived in generations where the modern-day definition of bisexual didn't exist. Regardless, these people have outpaved the way for later generations and have assisted young bisexual people in gaining knowledge and having historical contacts to their sexuality on a daily basis. The first person I'd like to talk about is the iconic author Virginia Woolf, who was married to her husband Leonard Woolf for years before she met fellow author Vita Sackville-West. And Vita was also married. She and her husband were both openly bisexual and she was known to have had several relationships with women during her marriage. Virginia and Vita began an affair soon after meeting at a dinner party. Their husbands both knew of the affair and didn't object. Woolf's hugely influential novel, Orlando, is based on their relationship and Vita's son, Nigel Nicholson, has referred to it as the longest and most charming love letter in literature. Next is Greta Garbo, the silent film actress, four-time Academy Award nominee and cinematic legend, was notoriously private about her relationships, but it's now known that she had relationships with both men and women. It's been noted that she dated conductor Leopold Stokowski, photographer Sir Cecil Beaton, fellow silent film star Louise Brooks and openly gay writer Mercedes de Acosta. Since Garbo's death, the estate of fellow Swedish-born actress Mimi Pollock released a number of letters between the pair. One, of which dated in the 1930s, shows that Garbo wrote to Mimi after finding out she was pregnant. We cannot help our nature as God has created it, but I've always thought you and I belong together. It's also rumoured that Garbo, early in her career, also had an affair with fellow actress and lesbian icon Marlene Detroit. And now Malcolm X. Many of this find this to be a surprising inclusion, but there's always been rumours of black liberation hero Malcolm X having same-sex relationships and then later marrying a woman before his tragic assassination in 1965. The political leader's sexuality was never a part of his public narrative until the acclaimed biography Malcolm, The Life of a Man Who Changed Black America by Bruce Perry was published. The book includes interviews of people from Malcolm's childhood friends to people closest to him during his adult life, and several of them state that the icon was not heterosexual, as the history books dictate. And Billie Holiday, the iconic jazz singer, was known to be openly bisexual throughout her career. It's long been rumoured that she had relationships with a number of stage and film actresses, including Tallulah Bankhead, Louise Crane and Greta Garbo. She also married three different men throughout her life. And now to share some incredible reflections from different people over the last 40 plus years. In 1972, Margot wrote an article for a magazine titled Beyond Two Genderism, Notes of a Radical Transsexual, The Second Wave, where they said that, As one who views herself as a feminist bisexual woman, I must challenge yet a third aspect of sexism, which has not yet been challenged, at least not on a large scale, and I call this aspect 
to genderism, a rather clumsy term upon which I hope someone will improve. Literature which insists there are only women and men is conspiring unconsciously with sexist forces to crush those in between. My main feeling is that I want to love human beings. Sex and gender should not be determining factors. Kylie Rodriguez Cairo said when writing for Bustle magazine that identifying as bisexual often feels like you're stuck in limbo, not gay enough for some and not straight enough for others. But bisexual people make up 52% of the LGBTQIA community, yet still quite often feel partially or fully excluded from the narrative at pride festivals and LGBTQIA celebrations, all because of biphobia and bi-erasure. Bi-erasure is a serious problem that isn't just promoted by straight people, but on occasion by the non-bi queer community as well. Naomi Tucker said, If bisexuality says that gender is not a determining factor of sexual preference, we can take our knowledge one step further to say that gender should not be a determining factor of oppression. Then what we have is a new language and perspective with which to talk about sexism, gender bias in our institutions, the gendered structure of our society. A new feminist force calling for an end to dictominies. It is a natural progression to then say that gender need not be such a rigid social construct. After all, if our sexuality can be fluid, why not our gender identity? And Elizabeth Sutherland wrote for SBS saying that bisexuals are seen as predatory, promiscuous, untrustworthy, adulterous and confused, with vilified as fence-sitters or just plain greedy. And in my line of work, I'm in contact with young people. It's easier to reassure colleagues and parents that I'm respectable when I'm seen as a lesbian in a steady relationship. Because if I try to describe myself as bisexual, well, for starters, it sounds more sexual. We still have a way to go. There is a reason why there is a B in LGBTQI+, and that is because all LGBTQI plus people are valid and should feel included, especially in a world where queer people are often excluded from many aspects of the heteronormative society. We should be coming together, supporting one another, offering guidance and love, not pushing people out just because they don't align with how we may perceive our own individual sexuality. I'd like to end today's episode by saying that we are only now coming into a space of a deeper understanding and acceptance of the complexities of human sexuality. And whether someone chooses to call it bisexuality or not, we should be embracing the idea that anybody can love whoever they want. As said by Janet Bode in The Pressure Cooker, viewed from another closet in 1976, being bisexual does not mean someone has sexual relations with both sexes, but that they are capable of meaningful and intimate involvement with a person regardless of their gender. Until next time, goodbye. information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. There we go. Of course, this uh, week is uh, well, it's, uh, tomorrow, if you're listening live on the Thursday, but Friday, the 23rd of September, is by Visibility Day. Mm. So, um, yeah, thumbs up and shout I out. I did not know oh. Malcolm X was um, apparently by. That's Ooh. made it even better. I don't know. I love when I hear about my icons actually being by. I'm like, hmm, of course. It wasn't very. It wasn't interesting enough before. Then is that what you're saying? Well, no, no. I just didn't. I didn't know. Like, I didn't. I mean, I obviously I really admire Malcolm X, but you can imagine within my community, that's not something you'd highlight. 
Um, yeah, of course. From a young I, age. I, I think it's it's not widely talked about by historians no. of Malcolm X, but he is quite open about it in his uh, autobiography. He okay. did write about relationships he'd had with men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that's what I find amazing about it. Is that uh, I don't know. I I would I really wonder if we were if we had free rules or free reign to identify who or how we want. How many people actually would identify as bi? You know, yeah. and use that label because. I, I don't know, it's freedom. it signals freedom to me. Well, as you heard there in uh, Ezra's piece, uh, up to there's some estimates that up to a third of people will, yeah, will have it makes those sense. tendencies like, and thoughts. So. Absolutely. And, and of course, in the ancient world, you mm. know, uh, most people, well, they wouldn't have used the word bisexual, but most people de facto understood that, you, you know, men and women came together to have children, but would also go off and have relationships with, with, with members of their... Yeah, I mean, uh, even you know, in ancient Sudan, there was um, the, they, the prince were allowed to have sexual relations with their slave girls. I mean, I know there's a power dynamic there, but they were allowed to because it was seen as like helping them mature into themselves, which I again like is is quite interesting. Obviously, the marriage would never be between those two individuals, but yeah, I think it's more prolific in a lot more societies than we actually know. Yes, or give credit for mm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just speaking myself. Um, I've known I've been a bi for, for a long time, but I've always shied away from the labels. But then doing work with, with, with groups like Shout Out, I understand that actually labels are very important for our audiences, those who are struggling to identify, and it helps give people a sort of sense of belonging. So there we go. Wow, that just went really, really quickly. Yeah, it sure did, Matthew. I really did. Well, listen to our past shows or get current news items at our website, shoutoutradio.lgbt. Aren't you lucky? Matthew and myself will be back next Yay! week. Same time, same channel. So until then, take care and have a great Bye Visibility Day. Yes. That's a wrap. Bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.